It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Well, good morning, church. How are you all doing? Good, good, good. Good to see you. Um, I'm your interim pastor. My name is Les Moore. I, I won't be here long. It'll seem longer than some of you want to think about, but anyway. Um, they, they tell me they're doing another interview this week. So the church, your, your church board leaders, they're still at it. And we're, we're not in a hurry, are we? No. Honey, are we in a hurry? No. No, she said, she goes something like, you better talk to her now, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're enjoying our journey with you. And uh, you got to know, we've learned to love you um, and appreciate you so much. I've told Linda, any pastor would be proud to be a pastor of this church. A lot of wonderful people in this church. Uh, you dearly care about each other. You love one another. Uh, you bless each other. And by the way, there ain't no perfect church. You know that, right? But uh, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Well, some of you are anyway. And I understand you were perfect before I came. So outside of that, we're doing pretty good. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about something that, uh, well, I've thought about for a long time. Uh, not just, just not just for hours or days, but for years, all my life, I've, I've I've had to work on something. Have you ever had a project in your garage? You just seem like you worked on it all. Guys, ladies, uh, you got a project you've been working on. You just can't get her done. Every time you turn around, you you think you got more to do on it. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about this morning. Something that I personally have been working on all my life. We're going to read a few verses um, out of Philippians, um, Philippians chapter 2. So take your Bibles and open them there, Philippians chapter 2. This is uh, Paul's letter uh, to the church in Philippi. And uh, he says something in chapter 2 that's, well, every time I read it, it convicts me. Um, you get convicted when you read the Word of God, and God speaks to you and says, hey, I'm... I'm talking to you, boy, and that would be me. So what do you say? We want to stand and honor the reading of God's word. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV. And then verse 5, I'm going to switch, uh, I'm going to switch translations on you in verse 5. Uh, here we go. Now, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Now, I want to read this in my own, in my own language. Can I do that real quick, that verse again? Because if you know the original Greek, it, it reads not if, but you can translate it since. So, so let, me, let me say it again, and you'll see the difference. 
since you have encouragement from being united with Christ. Now, didn't that make a little difference? Since you have comfort from his love and fellowship with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and since there's tenderness and compassion, well, we'll make my joy complete. And here's how. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And verse 5. Your attitude should be the same. Is that of Christ Jesus? Wow. Now, Lord, um, we need you to speak to us through a human instrument that is laid bare before you for perhaps divine and redemptive purposes. May our time in your word today. May it be an eternal word for us that would change our lives, each one of us individually as you see fit, which means, God, you need to speak above and beyond what is said by a human man who desires to do nothing but glorify you in this moment. May we see Jesus, as the Greek said. May we see Jesus and Jesus only today. So, Holy Spirit, you do your office work in our lives. And we will praise you, God, as we are changed a little more into the image of the perfect stature of Jesus the Christ. In your name we give praise. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, this little thing, um, this little thing um, I've worked on this particular little thing all my life. Um, pretty much all of my life. For some of you, I'm convinced this little thing's a little easier to work on than guys like me. Uh, any, any of you guys out there like me, you're kind of like, you know, sometimes you get ahead of yourself and you know what I'm talking about? You're just all that. You know? I got this. Self-made man. I can handle it. Take the bull by the horns. I can fix it. I think sometimes if you're built differently, it's a little easier to deal with this thing than for guys like me. Kind of type A, a driven, choleric, caloric, however you want to say it. Um, This little thing, it's a lot easier for some of you. And let me just stop to say, I think this little thing is is more important than just about anything else in your life. And you say, well, Pastor, aren't you kind of overstating this little thing? No, no, I don't think I am. I think it's it's more important than most anything in your life. I mean, when I when I stop and think about it, it's more important than your ability, your skills, your talents. It's more important than your intellect. It's more important than than uh, your past, your education. This little thing. 
it's, it's more important than your circumstances. I think it's more important than what other people do to you or say about you. This little thing we're going to talk about this morning. You say, certainly, Pastor, they can't be right. But I'm just telling you, when I think about it in my own life, this thing is pretty important. And especially if you call yourself a, a Jesus follower. This little thing can get you in a lot of trouble. At least it does for me. Unless the Lord's in charge of my life. Now, you probably already guessed it, haven't you? What this little thing is. This little thing could be a big thing. And, and it's, it's what Paul calls our attitude. Anybody want to look at somebody next to you and say, huh, maybe he's talking about you this morning. He's going to talk about attitude this morning. That's why Paul says in verse 5, you see it? Have this attitude in you. Uh, This attitude, which was also um, in Christ Jesus. You know, a funny little story. Uh, It's an old one, but um, it's still a good one. Uh, I don't think I've told you about it. Um... A couple of kids were visiting grandma and grandpa. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to have the kids around. Grandma and grandpa, isn't it? Grandpa decided, though, he's got to do what he does every day. Right in the middle of the day, what's he do? He takes a nap. Sure. <laughs> you already know this story. You go in. You take, take your shoes off. Crawl on the bed. And, and you start snoring. And the two kids... These two kids, you know what they did? They got some Limburger cheese, warmed it up in the microwave. They snuck into Grandpa's bedroom, and they smeared it on his mustache. And when Grandpa woke up, he goes, man, it stinks in here. He says, this is terrible. He went out to the living room. He said, it stinks in here, too. He said, I'm going into the kitchen. He goes to the kitchen. He says, it doesn't smell any better in here. I'm going outside and getting a fresh breath of air. He went outside, took a big breath. He goes, my land, the whole world stinks. That's what we call attitude. Attitude. Attitude is, uh, let's define it. It's an inward feeling. With an outward expression. Is that good enough? Let's, let's say it together. An inward feeling with an outward expression. Uh, now, I, I, I got to do a, a little disclaimer here because my wife is here. Every once in a while, I have an attitude. She's not listening. That's good. Okay. And I realize I better change something before it goes south. Come on, guys. Anybody want to testify out there? I see that, Ann. See that, Ann. Amen, brother. I'll pray for you and you. Yeah, okay. And, and I just got to get away for a few minutes. Not because of her, because of me. Woohoo! Come on, man. I, I, I need a little break. I, I need an attitude adjustment. It's, it's an inward feeling that comes in outward behavior. Attitude. Now, that's, that's not hard to understand. It's, it's not hard to grasp. When I think about the scripture, I mean, there's, there's several I could go to, but 
For instance, just Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Uh, in fact, there's a warning in Proverbs chapter 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. My heart is where my attitude is born. It's where it starts. And no wonder why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And I, I love this when Paul says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. What is that? It's attitude. How many just want to confess right now and say, I, I, I probably watch too much news? What happens when you watch too much news? Or you get on your phone and you, you do nothing but just go out of the dark side. Come on, am, am, am I now, what do you call this when you go beyond preaching? Meddling, meddling. Am I meddling? No. Where you, where you, 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 all of a sudden your attitude's going like this. And you need a break because now you need an adjustment. You got to get away from the crumb and you got to think on whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, anything that's excellent. Think on these things he says. That's I'm just I'm just telling you. I can't preach at you today. I'm preaching to myself. I've had to work my entire life on this thing called I've said God, heal me of my attitude. And I'm still waiting. I find out when I get up in the morning, i got to start all over again. Anybody out there want to testify? Yeah. Yeah. Attitude. You know, someone said uh, this. They said, life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how I respond. I'd like to write that up on the screen if I could. I had a little typing thing here. I'll just type it out. And just let it come out of there. It's 10% of what happens to you, but 90% of how you respond. You know what you call that? Attitude. It's 90% attitude. And it's Jesus who said, it's out of the overflow of my heart that my mouth speaks. Attitude. Um, and here's the reality. The reality is, uh, you're probably not a whole lot different than I. We all ha- possess an attitude. Did you know that? You've got your own tude, dude. You do. You, every single one of us. And, and the problem is, we choose our own attitude. Did you hear that? We choose our own attitude. Nobody can choose your attitude for you. Yours is your own. And no one can choose your attitude for you but you. And I'm talking to me again. I'm not, I'm, actually, I'm talking to me, and you just happen to be here. And if, if, it, if the shoe fits, where? Where's it? So the question is, the question is, why is it in the church so many good people have a bad attitude? Woo-hoo, come on. Now I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about other churches. Not this church. But it seems to me like sometimes, if we're not careful, we get stuck into a pattern of, of a bad attitude. And after 40 years of ministry or so, closer to 50 than I hate to admit, when I think back, I think of so many people. And I think it's good to remember, 
Any of us can have a bad attitude. Sometimes it's pastors who need an attitude adjustment. Boy, did you miss a great opportunity for an amen there. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Not the preacher, but the deacon. That's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Um, you know, it'd probably be good to remember. You, you, know, you know what uh, Philippians is? It's one of what we call the prison epistles, right? So we call it a prison letter because Paul was in prison when he wrote it. Um, he's not in some lush Hilton hotel sleeping on his mypillow.com. <laughs> Some kind of Della Rosa flannel pajamas. No, this guy, he's in a dungeon. He's in a dark dungeon. It's dark, it's cold, it's wet. Have you ever been in one of those? You know, one of the scariest places I've ever been. Have you, have you ever been in Italy? And you go there by the Cathedral of Paul and, and you go to, the, to the, uh, the Bridge of Sighs. Have you ever been to the Bridge of Sighs? To the Doge's building? You cross the bridge. The reason they call it the Bridge of Sighs is because... All the guys that were convicted of crimes, they would have to cross the Bridge of Sighs over one of the little streams down there where the boats went, you know. You'd cross the Bridge of Sighs, they'd look out the window because they're going to the dungeon on the other side. And the reason they called it the Bridge of Sighs is because when the guys went to the dungeon, they, they, they knew they would go over the bridge, they're not coming back. And they sigh and they go, oh, I'm, I'm done for, I'm done. Because you go over there, you're not coming back. And when you cross that bridge and you go down to the depths, it's nothing but dirty, dark stone caves with steel bars. Looks like Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you ever remember that, that little deal? And, and you're, behind the, you're behind the bars, the bridge of size. And that's where Paul is. And he's writing a letter to the church at Philippi, who he loves in a Dimly lit, he's been beat nearly to death. And what's he, what's he write? He says something like, keep your head up. You can do this. Hang in there. Keep an attitude like Jesus. Get your Jesus attitude on. That's what he writes. Man, if it were me writing, I'd be going, oh, it's so terrible here. It's cold. It's wet. I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> Any of you remember that, that program that used to have a song on it? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Whoa, deep, dark depression, death of misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. You guys, you guys remember that song? Have you ever heard it before? Where were you? I just sang it. Come on. Yeah, Paul, he, he could have been saying, look at man, you have no idea how bad it is, but that's not what he's doing here. He's saying, look at guys, hang in there. I know, I know they beat me nearly to death for the cause of Christ, but I tell you what, I know God is greater than my circumstances. What do you call that? I call it attitude. It's the Jesus attitude in this passage. Now, I don't know. You know, maybe you missed it, but... Um, you look at verse 1, you notice the adjectives that Paul uses. Encouragement, united with Christ, comfort, fellowship, tenderness, compassion, joy, like-minded, love, same love, being one in spirit and purpose, 
humility. He uses all these crazy, cool words that describe an attitude of Jesus. Humility. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you start on verse 5 and you go through chapter verse 11, you find out that this Jesus, his attitude, it was so cool because he was God. He gave up all his rights as God. His circumstance wasn't the best. He died on the cross willingly. Yet he had humility and he was totally obedient to the Father, even unto death and death on a cross. And that's why, that's why the church sings about Jesus. Uh, we got a great leader in the church that started the church, basically. Phineas Epherzee is known around the world, but we don't sing about Phineas Epherzee. We sing about Jesus. Amen. Phineas Epherzee, as great as he was, and what a great role model of feeding the poor and the lonely and the down and the out in the, in the, in the, in the, the streets of Los Angeles when people didn't have hope. He was there feeding and clothing prostitutes, drug addicts, and you name it. But we don't sing about him, do we? We sing about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one who came to earth from heaven, gave his life for us freely that we could live without sin. And Paul just says, look, yeah, I'm in a dungeon here, but I got the Jesus attitude my Jesus is bigger than my circumstance. Wow. I'm loving this guy by the name of Paul. You know, a few years ago, uh, are the kids still here? Are the kids here? Are you still with me, kids? All right, here, here's, a story, here's a story, kids. Kids, get your, get your hands up here like this. Let's get an airplane going. Here we go. We got an airplane. You can do this. Bother your mom or dad if you want. Get in their face. I don't care. Wake them up. A number of years ago, some guy in San Diego, uh, well, actually is in, Long, in, in, uh, in Eugene, he says, Pastor, I want, to, I want to take you on an airplane ride. He owned an airplane. I said, okay, let's go. So we get in his airplane. We're going over up to Portland from Eugene. And, 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 he, and I, look, I look on the front of that airplane on the panel, and it's got all these gauges. And I, I, I didn't even know what they were. They were weird gauges. Anybody here fly an airplane? Anybody, we've got some airplane flyers. So it got all these gauges, and, and I'm looking at one of them, and it's kind of got this little bar on it like this, and, and I go, no, well, what, what, what is that gauge? He goes, well, that's the, that's the attitude gauge. I said, what? A plane has an attitude? He said, yeah, a plane has an attitude. I said, well, tell me about it. What's the attitude of the plane? He said, well, the attitude of the plane is the position of the nose in relation to the horizon. I said, get out of here. Really? Yeah, that's the attitude of the plane. A plane can have an attitude. I'm getting an education. He said, yeah, in fact, he said, some instructors, they, they, they teach attitude flying. I'm going, this, this could preach. I usually have to pay for these kinds of illustrations. Yeah. He said, when, when the nose is up above the horizon, come on, kids, get your hands up here. Here we go, kids, ready? We're, you got your plane ready? When the nose of the plane, here's the nose of the plane. When the nose of the plane is above the horizon, we call that a nose-high attitude. Come on, get your hands up there, huh? It's a nose-high attitude. So, so, okay. But when the nose is down, we call that a, a nose-down attitude. Woo-hoo. 
You know where I'm going, don't you? You might want to look to the left or the right and see where your neighbor's nose is. Is your nose going up or your nose going down? Yeah. The attitude of the plane determines the performance of the plane. When the plane's nose is up, it's going up. When the plane's nose is down, it's going down. Do you get it, honey? You sure do. You keep that plane flying over there. Keep your nose up. Because here's the key. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Come on. Your attitude. And that's why Paul says, have this attitude in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Who though he was God, he says, he did not demand his rights as God, but he took them on himself the form of a servant, a doulos, a servant. And he took on human flesh. Well, I think what's, uh, I think what's true for planes is true for people. Sometimes my nose needs an adjustment. My attitude. You know, here's a funny story. Years ago, I had a friend of mine. Uh, he, he, he told a story about uh, a couple scientists in California. And they wanted to prove the power of attitudes on the germination of seeds. Now, some of you folks around here, you do seed stuff, seed planting, and you, you work with agriculture. Uh, this might be of interest to you. These two scientists, PhDs they were in California, you should know they're in California, on a government grant, you should know they're on a government grant, <laughs> dressed in white uh, jackets. These two scientists, they decided they'd take two pans, about nine inches, about the size of a gold, gold uh, uh, digging pan, and, and they would take the exact same amount of seeds, same quality seeds, 23, and put 23 in a right pan, 23 seeds in a left pan. They would give it the exact same amount of light. They would give it the exact same amount of water. They put it in a greenhouse. Everything was exactly the same. Same fertilizer, same everything, except for one thing. One thing. Three times a day, they would come into the pan that was on the right. Get your pan up there. And they would yell at the seeds. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. I could never grow anything ever. I'm a terrible grower of seeds. That's what they did three times a day. They'd yell at the pan on the right. Pan on the left. Three times a day. Get your pan up there. It's only, it's only nine inches. Just nine. <laughs> Three times a day, they'd come to this pan. 23 seeds, same fertilizer, same sunlight, same water, same everything. And, oh, I can't wait to see what you're going to become. You are the most beautiful pan of seeds I've ever seen. 
And for three weeks, three times a day, they'd come in, they'd sweet talk this one, and they'd yell at this one. Three weeks later, I kid you not, you check it out, you could probably Google it, I imagine. On Time Magazine is the picture of these two pans. The pan on the right that they yelled at was anemic. The grass was partly yellow. It was spotty. It was pretty bad-looking grass. The pan on the left that they lifted up, encouraged, and you think I'm crazy. No, I, I'm, I'm just, this is not, I'm telling you what these scientists did. Check it out. It was on Time Magazine on the front page. The grass was so thick you could grab it and pick up the whole pan by, by the grass. Beautiful, lush grass. Do you believe this story? Say, yes, Pastor, I believe the story. <laughs> Give these girls a hand, would you? Yeah. So now, uh, my friend who was telling this story, his two boys heard the story. This is a true story. In fact, you might even know the guy's name. His name's Les Parrott. His two boys heard him tell the story. And he comes home one day, and he finds two mason jars in his living room. One of them is when one window, and, and there was words written on the mason jar in, in boys' handwriting, sweet talk. <laughs> he looks over here, there's another mason jar, and it simply said, yell at. <laughs> and for three weeks, three, three boy, these two boys, every day, three times a day, they'd come in, they would sweet talk these seeds. Oh, can't wait to see what you're <clears throat> you know <laughs> can't wait to see how you're going to turn out you are the best looking seeds I've ever seen Ooh, don't know about you I've never grown anything that was worth it. I don't have much hope for you. Three times a day, three weeks, sweet talk, yell at. In three weeks, they had the exact same results. Huh. You may be seated. Give them a hand, would you? Okay. So, um, so the junior high boy, the junior high boy... He goes to school and he shows his class these mason jars. And the teacher said, well, we're getting ready for our project. We're getting ready to do our project for the year. Would you like? He said, yeah, I'd like to do that. So in his classroom, you want to come on? Come on. Come on. Come on. You ready? Come on. This is girl's day. This is girl's day. You want to be the sweet talker? You want to be the yell at? Sweet talk, okay. She was Sweet talk, I'm sorry, you got to be the yell at. But I don't mean it. Okay, get your pipe hands up there. Nine inches, give me nine inches. There we go. So, the junior high boy, every day, three times a day, he'd come in three weeks. Guess what? The results were exactly the same in the classroom. He took the results of that 
to the Oregon State Fair. And he won first place in the Oregon State Fair in his division. Why? Because he proved your attitude will impact the germination of seeds. And I got a question for you. If your attitude can do that to seeds, what do you think it does to people? Huh? Uh, give these girls a hand. Thank you, girls. Did a great job. Look, look, I've been around. Let me put it this way. As a pastor, I've always felt like my business, if you can put it that way, my business is not, it's not buildings, it's not budgets, it's not programs, it's people. And I've realized how important my attitude is to people. When I was a young man, I had a twin brother. He was called to ministry before I was. So the church had him start preaching and stuff. We were kind of uh, not the, I shouldn't confess this, but confession's good for the soul, right? My twin brother, mostly John, was, he was a, a wild hellion. And, and we caused a lot of trouble in the church. We were those two boys, especially him. I mean, don't get me started. And, uh, and, and we were known for that in the church. I mean, I've heard stories all my life, some of them not even true. Like how I drove my motorcycle right down the middle of the camp meeting to make a big scene at the camp meeting. It wasn't me. It's probably John, but it was not me. My brother got a call to ministry, started preaching. We'd go to the Oakland Penal Mission. And when I got saved, I felt like God called me, and I went to my pastor. And I said to him, I feel I have a call to preach. Can I, can, can I get a local preacher's license? Here's his response. Will you ever be able to preach as good as your brother? Now you think of that. I remember that to this day, even though that was back in 1968. I remember it to this day. And it taught me a lesson. The way I respond to people is very important. My words of encouragement, my words of blessing, my words of honor. As a pastor, I'm responsible for my words, my attitude. To others. In fact, I believe sometimes you can speak truth into people's lives. And I don't do this glibly. I don't do this glibly. But I look at the young man this morning that prayed at this, and I say, wow. You know how many kids, there's an anointing on that boy's life. Are you with me, church? Yeah, See, our businesses and programs and buildings, it's, it's people. And here's where it starts. One thing I love about your church. Sitting with a 75-year-old man. Let's do the other age. 75-year-old man in Eugene. Very wealthy man. We're having coffee. And he says to me, Pastor, I never had a relationship with my father. What I did have wasn't good. He never accepted me. I was never good enough for him. And he said, at my age, 75 years of age, it still impacts me to this day. Don't tell me that attitude doesn't impact the germination of seeds, agricultural or otherwise. 
You know, they say if you take an elephant when he's young and you chain his leg up to a post, when he gets older, you don't even have to take the chain and, and nail it down to anything. You just put the chain on his leg and he thinks he can't move. Attitude. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, I, I'm just telling you. Yesterday, I had to work on my attitude. I realized I, I got up on the wrong side of the bed, needed to part my hair differently. Well, now, wait a minute. That illustration doesn't really go too far. Yeah. And I had to step aside and say, God, help me with my attitude today. Anybody want to testify? Yeah. And I love what Paul does here. He says, look, keep your, keep your attitude nose high. The enemy will do whatever he can to get you going this direction. Amen? Come on. We all have one. And Paul says, look, since there is encouragement, since there is comfort, since there is oneness of spirit, let's keep it going like this. Let's be an example to the believers and keep our attitude this way. You say, well, pastor, how do you do that? Well, you know, I guess working on it so long, you might call me a professional. I don't have it to perfection, but I know how to get her done. Sometimes you've got to step aside and say, God, give me strength. Help me to change my attitude, Lord. Help me to be the person you want me to be. God, I, I, I'm, not feeling, I'm not feeling it right now. Would you help me, God, just be who I need to be today, right now, to change my attitude? And then I'm reminded again of the scripture I've already quoted. Greater is he that is in you than the one who is in the world. And you can change your attitude for the cause of Christ. As a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a brother, as a sister, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen? What do you say we take that to the bank this week? Every day of the week, say, Lord, I can do all things through you and my attitude, and I will. Wow. Lord, we love you today. And we're human. Lord, you know that. Uh, we have good days and bad days. Some, some days we feel like a million bucks. Other days we, we feel like we don't, well, we don't know if we're going to make it. Lord, it's the ebb and flow of life. Uh, Lord, some of us, um, we've had some pretty poor conditions to grow in. The soil we've been planted in has been pretty rough. We haven't had the right kind of fertilizer or sunshine. And it's impacted our lives. And Lord, um, we, we, we want to overcome anything that is given us a nose down disposition or attitude. And Lord, it could be a parent, it could be a, a boss, it could be a friend, it could be a circumstance. Lord, the enemy will use anything he can to destroy us, destroy our spirit, and destroy our faith. And Lord, we look at Paul this morning as an example of a man who had been, well, beaten nearly to death, who was once an accuser and a persecutor of Christians. And now he became one. And he learned the lesson of faith 
and having the right attitude in all circumstances. Lord, may we be like that. May we be like you. May we prefer one another in love. May we consider each other better than ourselves. May we take that helmet of salvation and apply it in a way that it would be so evident in our lives that we're a champion of one another. May we be encouragers in the faith to each other. Be the kind of men and women that build each other up in every circumstance and keep our eyes on you. Now, Lord, we've, um, we've had a wonderful morning this morning. We've sat around your table and since your presence, remembering your sacrifice for us on the cross. Lord, we've feasted at your table in the word. And there's not one of us who do not get the message this morning as we walk out of here, Lord. It's been a good morning. And we want to stop and give you praise. Because we're the church. We're the ecclesia, the called out ones. We're the hoi agioi, the holy ones of God. And we want to be all we can be for you, Lord. So, Lord, as we go from this place, I pray you'd walk through our feet. I pray, Lord, that you'd work through our hands. I pray, Lord, that you would see through our eyes. Hear hear through our ears. Lord Jesus, feel through our hearts. Speak through our lips. That everybody we come in contact with this week would see the attitude of the Son of God in our lives to your glory. And in Jesus' name, Father, we give you all praise and honor because it's all about you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.